Hey, good morning, Life Church, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever you're watching this, I am so glad to be journeying with you. We are in a series called Relationship Goals, and my name is Alex, and I am uh, really privileged to be talking about the topic that we're talking about today, which is parenting, parenting relationship. Uh, but first, let me ask you a question. Have you ever hit a guardrail? Yeah, you know those things on the side of the road. Have you ever hit a guardrail? I hit my first guardrail when I was five. Uh, my brother and I, Chris, were uh, left by my mother in the back of the car and told not to go into the front seat. But my brother wanted to play with the steering wheel. So he hopped over the car, uh, front seat. And this is in the 60s, so you know cars were different back then. You ever see the Flintstones? It's kind of like that. You had a lot more ability to maneuver a car. He's playing, and I'm yelling at him, telling him, don't. I hop over the front seat. He pulls the gear shift out, and suddenly we are rolling down a hill. Five-year-old and someone who's not quite four. And uh, we start heading down this hill, and off uh, over the side is a ravine. And, um, and so we're rolling down this hill, and smash we hit the guardrail there was a lot of trouble that day there were the car uh, was scratched and uh, we but here's what happened we were safe although we were shook up and the reason we were safe is because we hit the guardrail and the guardrail protected us from going down the ravine and suffering great bodily harm and uh, that's what guardrails do and today we're talking about parenting and parenting is hard I think it's as hard as it's ever been because we live in such a confusing era in our current cultural moment. And people feel very confused about marriage, parenting, family. Uh, but parenting a child to healthy adulthood is our mandate as parents. It's the goal. And parenting a healthy child to adulthood is just like taking a road trip. And so as parents, we need to ask ourselves a question. What's the goal or the destination we're hoping to reach as we think about these children God has given us? And you may be a teacher, a social worker. You may be a child care provider or a grandparent. All of us uh, who have this influence on kids have some responsibility here, but particularly parents. What's the goal or the destination? When our kids leave home, Here's a great question to answer with your spouse or with whoever you're raising uh, your child with. Uh, what, is, what do we hope our child will leave with when they become adults between 18 and 20 some years old? What, 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 who should they be and what should they leave with? That's our goal, our destination, and we'll come back to that. And then here's the question. If it's like a road trip, what guardrails do they need to keep them on the road to healthy adulthood. What are the guardrails they need? And the problem is most of us go into parenting with no training, no map, no directions. So how do we do this thing effectively? How do we keep our kids, uh, how do we help our kids get on the road and stay on the road to becoming healthy adults? And whether we're parents or children, uh, we're gonna study some truths today that, uh, 
are important for us because as we study today's topic, it's going to help us understand ourselves and how we're, we were raised. It's going to help us understand some fundamental needs of human beings, and it's going to help us understand our parents. And we don't want to get in a, we're not bashing parents. We don't want to do that. It's about us growing as parents and as people because none of us has it all figured out. But the good news is God has a plan. God has a plan for raising children. And this morning we're going to focus on a scripture that we're going to look at a couple of times. And it has a, a summary of the two key parenting principles found throughout scripture. And this verse comes from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 3. And it's a book on how to live life wisely. And the man who recorded this verse is a man named Solomon. And he's writing as a parent, as a father to his son. And he says this in Proverbs 3, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Look at that passage. I want you to see this because this is what a good father does. This is what a good parent does. The good father delights in their child they love them and they discipline them they love their child and they limit their child and uh, this is what God does with us as children of God he loves us and he disciplines us why because God knows that love and limits are the guardrails every child needs on the road to healthy adulthood let me say that again Love and limits are the guardrails every child needs on the road to healthy adulthood. Because God understands that raising a child is a journey. And the goal is to raise your child so that they flourish in their God-given design. They have a certain temperament, a certain personality, certain gifts. And, and also there are these universal realities of who God made us to be in his image. And our goal is to raise our child so they flourish in that God-given design. We want them to know Jesus and be people of faith and, and, and experience God. We want them to grow in Christ-like character, being loving, kind, and generous. We want them to be able to develop loving relationships. We want them to go and serve the world using their gifts that God has given them. These are the things that we've, and if that makes sense, know, grow, and go. That's why Life Church has that as our core mission, because that's God's core mission for every person. We want to see our children become contributors in a world where too often uh, we have consumers, and we want them to be a blessing in a world uh, to everyone around them, their family, their friends, and their community. So there's multiple sermons here. We're going to focus in on one thing so we can talk about the goal, which we just talked about. What's that destination? What do we want them to leave home with? And then we talked about the guardrails um, because here's the truth. The road to healthy adulthood for your child is full of tight turns and mountain passes. Look at, uh, look at this mountain pass. I think we have that. Oh, look at these guardrails. Look at that. That's, that's a tough road. We, we want to make sure our kids can navigate those roads. And if we go back to that guardrail picture, so God gives us these guardrails. So as we go through treacherous terrain, they help to guide us and protect us. That's what guardrails are there for. Because if they're not there, it's easy to drive off the road of life on either side. 
to the love side or the limit side. And I won't get into that this morning, but I will just say guardrails are protective measures. They're, they're set up so that we may scrape against them, but they keep us from falling off to a more destructive, maybe a life-threatening, a, a deadly end. And so guardrails guide and protect us and keep us from driving off the road of life. That's why God's word says, again, love and limits are the guardrails every child needs. And this is his model. So how do we do that? Now, last week, Alex talked extensively about developing healthy, loving relationships. So I'm not going to cover the love guardrail today. Our kids need to know we love them. They need to hear it from our mouths. They need to experience it through the time that we give them. Uh, we need to pay attention to our kids and see their unique gifts and personality and let that flourish so they become who God made them to be. We need to love them and they need to know that. But if we only love them and never limit them, they will not grow. Limitations are one of the ways we grow. Limitations and discipline are one of the ways we learn and get wise. And, uh, and so we, we're going to focus this week on the second guardrail, which is limits. And limits are a guardrail every child needs on this road. So how do we limit or discipline our child appropriately, our children? What is discipline? First, let's say this. And let me just say this. This is very unpopular in our culture right now because we're so confused. Discipline is love. In fact, the definition of discipline is this. Discipline is correction or instruction driven by love. Now let's read this verse, and this verse is going to look familiar because it is from Hebrews 12, 5, and 6. This verse is the author of Hebrews here, Paul, or, or, or the author of Hebrews, I, I think it's Paul, but he's quoting Proverbs 3 here, the verse we read earlier. So it's going to read a little differently, but not much because he's quoting Proverbs 3, and I'll tell you why in a minute. He says, my son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't, don't disregard discipline. And don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Hey, there's correction that we need in our life. And don't let it discourage you. You need to hold on to it. Because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. Discipline is the way that we form character. It's the way we learn about how to treat people with respect and kindness and love. It's how we learn what's safe and unsafe, healthy and unhealthy, good and bad, loving or hurtful. We learn all these things. And this is being quoted again in the New Testament because it's so foundational to healthy growth as a child of God. And it's foundational for us as a parenting verse the principle again God loves us and he disciplines us and they go together they're interwoven and discipline involves training and instruction and correction and it's one of the ways that we grow and uh and I want to just say this um our goal is to raise our kids the way the Lord raises us he's our father he's our parent and we we learn from how God raises us, and this is what we do with our kids. But let me say this. Discipline is not something you do to your child. It is something you do for your child. Zig Ziglar says it like this. A child who has not been disciplined with love by his or her little world 
meaning their family or parents, will be disciplined without love by the great big world. In fact, there's a popular book, 12 Rules for Life, um, by Jordan Peterson. He's a psychologist who's spent a lot of time uh, working with kids and families and wrote this book. And one of, the, one of his rules is don't, don't let your kids do anything that you deeply dislike. And his point is actually referencing these two quotes because he says, you love your kid more than anyone. If you dislike what they're doing uh, because they're mean, because they're hurting their sibling, because they're disrespectful, when you put them out in the world, they are going to get rejected and not make friends and people are going to walk away from them because you're not disciplining them. So one of the signs that you may need to intervene in your child's life is because there's something there. You go, that's don't do that. It's wrong. And you maybe you can't even name it. Or I don't like that. I think what you're doing that it's hurting you. It's hurting other people. So let me give you three facets to discipline here or limit setting. And the first one is this expectations. What are the expectations you and I should have for our kids? Here's number one. First time obedience with a good attitude. Prompt obedience. And, and, uh, and look at what he, Colossians 3.20 says. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. <clears throat> Notice what this scripture... Well, and let me just say this about children, obey your parents. A, a good-willed parents, God wires it into parents in general. Yes, there's broken, dysfunctional, hurtful parents. We're not talking about that. We're talking about someone who goes, I want to do a good job with my kids. I really want to raise them. When you want them to listen to you about something, it's a sign that there's an expectation here that they need to follow. It's one of the reasons why you want them to obey you, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But obedience is essential because, again, it can be, um, it can, uh, be life or death in some cases. Uh, I think of the two-year-old child running toward the street where there's busy cars. If that child has never learned to obey, that child is in a very dangerous place. And, uh, and that's why obedience is so important because when you say stop, uh, it needs to, it's, um, there's something there, there's a line that's being crossed that could harm others or harm them oftentimes. So what does scripture not say? It doesn't say, now, uh, obey your mom and dad after they say, cut that out. Don't make me come over there. Uh, I really mean it. Don't don't make me count count to three. Okay, one. If you don't listen to me by the time I get to three, two. I'm not. Stop. I stop hitting your sister. Put that cookie down. <laughs> two and a half. It says learn to obey, and this isn't again some kind of a rigid uh, legalistic environment. It's teaching the fact that your child trusts that you are the authority, and you have their best. Uh, you have their best life in mind when you're intervening in their life. So we want to see that obedience because that's critical because you as a parent are often going to tell your child things that are going to be guiding them. And if they don't listen, then they're going to be driving off the road uh, and into dangerous places. Philippians 2 says this, do everything without what? Do everything without complaining or without what? Arguing. So put that on your refrigerator. That's a good memory verse. I don't want to do that. I don't, and, and helping our kids learn how to have conversation rather than complaining and arguing is a critical skill for a growing person. 
people who complain or people who argue, they often don't do well with making friends and getting along in their social environment, but saying, let's have a conversation about this. Why, what I'm telling you, why am I telling you this? And so on and so forth. Now think about this. I want you to understand this. God builds an early warning system into the guts of parents, into the spine of parents. And when a healthy parent wants their kid to obey, it's usually around a reasonable expectation. So think about this, a reasonable expectation. Is it safe or unsafe? So I mentioned your two-year-old running toward a busy street or your 18-month-old putting their finger in an in electrical socket because they love those holes. Who knows why they love those holes? But they all want to play down there and stick their fingers in there. Is it healthy or unhealthy? So an eight-year-old who's on their device for six hours a day, what's the parent thinking? No, put that, I want you to stop. That's not healthy for you. Um, uh, is it wise or unwise? A 14-year-old hanging out with kids you fear are a negative influence. Uh, I had one person, one adult tell me um, that they argued with their parents about hanging out with friends when they were a teenager. And they, they just said, I wish my parents would have just um, made me not hang out with that group because I, I, I knew I was getting in trouble, but I just argued enough and they let me do it. And I got into drugs there. I, I had sex with multiple partners there. I got into all these kinds of things. But the interesting thing, after I, this person heard part of this talk at one time, they said, I realized my parents were, they felt something wrong, but they didn't actually uh, enforce it with me. And, uh, and um, again, I take responsibility for my own behavior, but I wish they would have just said, no, I just don't feel good about it. And we're not, you're not going to do that right now. So is it good or bad? Is it respectful or disrespectful? Is it loving or unloving? Is it toward God or away from God? These are all kinds of things that we have expectations around. Now we'll come back to explaining why in a minute, but my friend Bob Tissett, we used to joke about this. He would call it the badump effect. When a parent feels something about some decision a child's making, you have to reserve the right to say, you know what, I don't know why I don't want you to do this right now, but I'm just telling you I don't feel good about it and I'm going to trust God and trust my gut and, I'm, and I'm, I'm asking you not to do this right now. So expectations, what are your expectations? It's not about making a bunch of rules. I actually think the more rules there are, the less healthy an environment is. But it is about, hey, what does it mean to obey your parents and how are you helping them walk that road? So expectations. The second thing is enforcement. We enforce our expectations through appropriate uh, response and consequences. So what, what do you do when your child goes against your, your expectation, when they know there's a rule or you've put something in place? What consequences do you give your children when they obey? What's your plan for dealing with bad behavior? Because guess what? We don't have to teach our kids how to do the wrong thing. You will never have to teach your kid how not to hit. You will never have to teach your kid how not to steal or take someone else's thing. You will not have to teach your kid how, not to, how, how, how to lie. We all, are, we all have that built into us. And if you don't know that yet, then I want to just encourage you to, um, I don't know what I want to say, except... Uh, it's naive to think that's not there. All you have to do is have a child under five years old and you're going to see a lot of different things evidence themselves. So what's your plan for dealing with your child when the two-year-old hits their younger sibling, the six-month-old? When the four-year-old, uh, 
I, I, I recently heard about this. I couldn't believe it. So there was this family dinner and the four-year-old kid of one of the family members went around to everybody's plate and put their finger in the dessert, the pudding dessert and licked it and went to every person's thing and licked it. And the parent just said, oh, 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 Sally, don't. Oh, okay. No, no, Sally. After Sally had already, and then she kept making her way around and she put her finger in everyone's dessert. Now think about that moment, because by four years old, a lot of kids' personality and, and some of their boundaries and ethics are formed. There's things happening in them. There's a lot that happens after, but I'm just saying there's a lot. Now, what do you do when you're around someone who makes you anxious or makes you angry or you don't feel safe around or who you feel disrespected by? What do you do when, you're, when you see that person? Do you turn toward them or away from them? You see, when we don't discipline our kids, we set them up to not form healthy relationships and friendships because everybody else is gonna experience all that bad behavior too. And guess what they're gonna do? Rather than making friends with our kid, they're gonna reject them. And that friendless four-year-old can easily become that isolated and sullen teenager who is, is living an empty life because we didn't teach them some basic things. Or how about the eight-year-old who throws a tantrum, breaks a plate, or the 14-year-old who lies to you? What's your plan? How do we enforce that bad behavior? And here's the point. Here's a verse that I want us to look at right now. In Ephesians 4, it tells us to, to enforce or, or to that consequence, whatever that consequence is, but in our anger, we don't sin. So make a plan with your spouse. I want to give you what I think is one of the one of the best ones, which is a timeout. And that basically is this opportunity to reflect and think about what I've done. And we're going to come to that in the next section. But when you give your kid a timeout, you isolate, you, you, you set them apart. They have no stimulation. They can think about what they've done and you can walk them through their next level of discipline. Or you have consequences where you remove things because they can't handle those things. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, this is the, why the next one is, is so important. But I want to say this first. In King David's life, he did so many great things. He was a great leader. He loved God and, and he, had a, he was a person after God's own heart, even though he went up and down. But he also did some terrible things. We know he murdered some, had someone murdered and he committed adultery. One of the places he made his biggest mistakes and scripture highlights this in 2 Samuel 13 through 19. I'd encourage you to read that. I was going to reference that today, but we're not going to have time for it. Is his parenting decisions. And probably because he had a past, he felt guilty about maybe imposing things on his kids. So there were one of his sons, I don't want to raped one of his, his daughter by a different mother. He raped his sister. And that sister was Absalom's brother. So there's Amnon, Tamar, Absalom. And I'll just mention this one little moment to have you see what happened here. Absalom's waiting for his dad to, to now uh, discipline and deal with Amnon who committed rape. And David gets angry and he's frustrated, but you know what he does? Nothing. He doesn't intervene. So what eventually happens is two years later, Absalom says, forget it. And Absalom has his brother killed. Now we have a rape and a murder in David's family because David did not engage as a parent. He didn't make his expectations clear. He didn't enforce those things. 
And so I want you to hear this verse because Solomon, who we've, we've heard of is going to be the king after David, was the little brother when these guys were older. Uh, they were in their 20s. And, and Solomon watched all this happen. And many people think this proverb we're about to read is a commentary on what he learned from his father's parenting. He wrote this, Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. And by hope, it means you discipline your son and you're giving your son a future, a possible future of good behavior and flourishing life. And then he says this, do not be a willing party to his death. And Solomon's point here is, hey, if you don't discipline your kid, they're not going to have a hopeful future. And they, if you don't correct their behavior when, when you can, they, they're going to be on a pathway that can lead them to death. Two of his brothers died and his sister was raped. And there were many other people who died all because a dad did not discipline his kid. And he's seeing this firsthand as one of the siblings in that family. What would his family have looked like had he taken hold of that? So expectations, enforcement. And the third thing, and this is where it all comes to bear, this is where discipline really takes its fruit, is education and reconciliation. So we discipline promptly, and then we give instruction, and we provide for reconciliation. So we expect the right behavior and we we want our kids to obey we enforce it when they cross those lines to help them learn and this is our learning plan and we're going to look at that in just a minute but it says this in Ephesians 6 fathers do not exasperate your children don't frustrate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is what discipline looks like. We're training our kids and we're teaching them about why things matter, what they need, what it means to live in a God-honoring way and in a way that blesses people around them and loves them and respects them and, and, uh, and, and how to in- incorporate that into our lives. So let's talk about instruction. There's three key questions that I learned from some other older, wiser people about what to ask my kids so that they could become uh, experts at taking responsibility for their life and reconciling relationships, which which is a big problem in our culture, isn't it? So the first question is this, what did you do wrong? What did you do wrong? And And again, it's so easy to blame, right? We're instructing them because a lot of times they still don't think it's their fault. And they want to blame whatever happened on their brother or sister. So I had a situation in my family. I won't name who's who. But well, my daughter said this, my brother took my Barbie away from me and I hit him on the head with Ken because he didn't deserve because because he deserved it. No, we don't hit with Barbies. What did you do wrong? Kaylee said, it wasn't Barbie. It was Ken. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tell me what you did wrong. And you're helping your kid get to the point where it's like, yeah, your brother may have done something wrong. But you compounded a felony because that person did something wrong. Doesn't mean it's okay for you to hit them now. They took your thing. You hit them. We'll deal with your brother. Your brother shouldn't have taken your thing. But what did you do wrong? I hit my brother and I shouldn't. And it hurts. Right, right. And you're trying to help them admit and understand their own sin in this, their own wrongdoing in this. And and guess what? We all do this. Second question is this, and this is really powerful for a kid. How could you handle this better next time? This is instruction for life. 
This is the power of the timeout or giving a, a, a kid a chance to think and reflect, especially when they know these questions are coming. My kids knew all these questions. What did you do wrong? How could you handle it better next time? One of the things 1 Corinthians says about training is this, that God is faithful and he'll always provide a way out when we're tempted. When you give your kids this think time, you're helping them figure, oh, when I get tempted like this again to do the wrong thing, what's the right way out? How do I do this in a way that's right and honors the Lord? What's the way out? And, um, and so I say, okay, when my brother takes my, my uh, doll next time, uh, my action figure, <laughs> okay, uh, I need, to, I need to ask for it back. And if he doesn't listen, I need to go talk to an adult. Good answer. Oh, honey, that's perfect. Yes. And, 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 and then, uh, so I, this is, but I hit him and that's what I did wrong. He took my thing and that's what he did wrong. So what do you need to do to make it right? And this is the reconciliation part. And this is where we really discipline can help a kid so much. So you say, I'm sorry to the injured party. I forgive you. And so bring those kids together and have a reconciliation. What did you do wrong? I took your uh, Barbie and I'm sorry. Uh, uh, please forgive me. I forgive you. I hit you with Ken. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I forgive you. And we pray and, and go on with the day. And if that sounds too optimistic, I just think we're missing out on the goodness of God. Those questions are so essential. What did you do wrong? Own your, take responsibility. How could you handle it better next time? And what do you need to do to make it right now? One of the things we learned, and again, this is back to Ephesians 4.26, is it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And uh, what that means is, the, the author is telling us, uh, unresolved conflict, when there's a broken relationship, it's like uh, a cancer that can start growing in our life. And the point is, as soon as possible, God says, resolve that conflict, deal with that problem and make things right. And one of the things we learned from, again, some godly adults when Marcy and I were really young was don't let your kids live for a minute in the anxious environment of never knowing where do I stand? I'm walking on eggshells. Let's make things right as soon as possible so they can have the security of knowing, hey, here's the limits. Here's where the wall is. And, and I have some security because I know what the boundaries are. I know what's good and bad. I know what's right and wrong. I know what's loving or hurtful. And I know how to live in that. We give our kids such a huge gift when we teach them how to understand and own things, how to, uh, and how to reconcile with family as soon as possible. So is, think about this right now. Is there some issue in your home? I want to encourage you, don't let it go by without making it better today. When we do this, we set our kids up for success in all of life and, and become, to become the people God made them to be. So we have clear expectations and loving enforcement and prompt education. So I want you to imagine your kid's life feeling very, very, very secure because you've given them healthy guardrails that allow them to flourish. What would that look like? Think about that. Have a talk with your spouse about that or have a talk with them about that. And part of what you want to do in that education piece is say, hey, this is why this matters. And help your kid grow in this deeper understanding of 
why there's certain expectations exist, why consequences can be a good and healthy thing, and how then to learn and grow in wisdom and in life skills. Are there expectations in your home you need to enforce? And are you educating your children and teaching them how to take responsibility for their behavior and resolve conflict? This is the gift we can give our kids. This is the gift God wants to give your kids. And you can do this. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And as we walk together in community, we can form healthy families. We can parent kids who have all the tools they need to flourish and become the beautiful, unique uh, women and men made in the image of God. And as they go off into adulthood, they're going to have the skills to have a flourishing life, loving God, developing loving relationships, learning how to be humble and take responsibility, and making a contribution in this world. Don't we all want that? I want that. And I have grandkids now, and I'm committed to that. And uh, I want to see you flourish in your family. But as we close up, I want to pray for you, and I want to also ask a question. Have you ever received the invitation from God to become a child in his family? See, we come, we become children of God through faith in Christ. And right now, Jesus is holding out his hands and saying, you're welcome in my family. My father wants to love you and grow you and help you become who he made you to become. But he won't force himself into our lives and he won't force us into his family. That's a choice we have to make. And if you are ready today to say yes to God, I want you in my life and I want to be your child and I want you to father me and make up for maybe the parenting gaps that were in my own life, God can do that and will do that. So I want to invite you to pray right now with me and invite Christ into your life. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you for this truth that is so challenging and uh, countercultural. And yet, Lord, we need it more than ever. Our kids grow up secure when, when they know what the, the guardrails are, when they, when they feel the security of love and limits, and where they understand what the expectations are uh, for how to live a good life because we want to set them up to develop healthy friendships and relationships and to be uh, contributors who respect and care for people. And Lord, uh, I pray that you'd help us as we raise our kids to help educate them so that we would talk to them and help them learn skills about how to take responsibility for where they have hit a guardrail and gone off the road uh, and, and what they need to do uh, next time, how they can make better decisions and how they can be reconciled and grow in their relationships. And right now, Lord, uh, I, I just pray for each family and parent out there who feels overwhelmed that you would bless them and help them to know that you're going to help them walk in your ways. You want to help them do that. And I pray that they'd continue to learn and grow and seek your face because parenting on our own is not what we were meant to do. We were meant to parent in relationship with you. And if you're here today again and you're ready to receive Christ because you want to begin, enter into that family, I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to forgive me for my sins. And I just acknowledge I've messed up and I've done the wrong thing over and over again. And I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm asking you to forgive me. 
and cleanse me. And I want to turn toward you now. I want to get on your road to healthy life. And Lord, thank you for your guardrails and help me to travel with you and journey with you on this road that you have for me so that I can flourish in your image and be the person you made me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed right now and uh, committed or recommitted your life to Christ, would you please message us and let us know because we want to help you take your next steps. So grateful to be with you, and uh, thanks for uh, taking the time today. And may God bless you as you on your parenting journey and in your influence with the next generation. God bless. Bye.